across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Have you ever lost a listing? Have you ever just kind of gotten kicked in the stomach because you felt sure that you got a listing and uh, the rapport was incredible and then they call and tell you they listed with somebody else or even worse, they send you an email and tell you they've chosen someone else. It hurts, man. I know it's happened to me tons of times and I hated it. And um, so because of that, I created a product called a certified listing agent. I got the eight top listing agents in the world and recorded their listing appointments. Everything, no holds barred, no secrets here, everything. And then after each listing appointment, we uh, discussed it and uh, created a course out of it. It's uh, over 10 hours of intense uh, video and it's for you to watch and never lose a listing again. Check it out. There's a lot of free samples. You can go in and see kind of what it's like before you uh, sign up for it. Uh, RebusUniversity.com. We also got the the uh, highly popular CTA, Certified Team Agent with Jeff Cohn. And that is how to build a massive team. How Jeff went from 80 to 580 units in four years. And uh, what he does behind the scenes. What forms he uses. How his systems are run. Everything on the CTA, Certified Team Agent. And many things to come. If, you, if you're interested, go to uh, rebusuniversity.com. Put yourself on the mailing list there. Uh, we have a price reduction course. We have a 101 ways to get uh, real estate leads for free. We have an ISA course coming out, uh, a lead handling course, not, not how to lead generate. There's, there's a ton of courses that other people do on that, but this is how to efficiently capture leads and work with them. So uh, they have a couple of courses coming out on that aspect. So anyways, RebusUniversity.com. Check it out, guys. You'll be glad you did. Now on uh, with the show. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a super-duper guest today. I got Mr. Mark Simone on the line. And Mark is a different type of guest. I wanted to get Mark on uh, for one particular reason, and that is because, or a lot of different reasons, but the main reason is, you know, we have a lot of people listening to the show that are on teams and are thriving. We have a lot of newer agents that are that are starting out. And, and Mark did something very interesting. Basically, he started out on a team, and he learned how to do it through that, which is a great education process. And then over time, he started thinking, I wonder if I should do this on my own. And recently, he's gone out on his own and done it. And he is succeeding at an extremely high level by himself. And so I wanted to talk to him about what struggles he went through and would he recommend that for everybody on a team or would he recommend this for only certain ones and, and just talk to him about, you know, how his life is now and what he's doing to actually make money and close more sales. So Mark, without further ado, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. 
Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Pat. It's uh, it's good to be here, and uh, and I look forward to uh, sharing some of the thoughts. I I will say, uh, you know, I appreciate the the introduction there. The one uh, one exception I, I would take is that I, I definitely uh, definitely don't do it on my own. It's definitely not. Uh, I'm, um, I'm not doing this by myself. In fact, uh, I guess we'll talk more about the, some of the support I have here, but uh, I definitely can attribute a lot of my success over the past 14 years to uh, making that leap as an individual agent, even when I was on a team, to deciding to uh, hire my own assistant um, and and really propelling me from being able to manage somewhere between uh, 12 and 18 transactions on my own to having an assistant with me that uh, we are, are comfortably able to manage 25 to 35 transactions at a time. So I, I, uh, I definitely, while, while we've made a transition over the past few months uh, where I was on a high producing team for a, a period of about five years and, and made the leap, so to speak, to start my own team, I, I certainly wouldn't, I, I could say I, I wouldn't be where I'm at, wouldn't feel as confident as where I'm at if it wasn't for uh, having the right support staff around me. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's talk about a, a little bit about the history here, Mark. So, you've been in business fourteen years, right? Yeah, just about. Okay. So, when you first started out, then uh, the first eight years, let's say, you were on your own, a solo agent, right? That's right. That's right. I uh, I worked primarily with investors. Um, I was doing a lot of very uh, low end housing. Uh, a lot of a lot of low low price sales. I was selling houses for twenty five hundred, five thousand, uh, fifteen thousand. You know, I think our at my average sales price for the first few years was uh, was certainly under a hundred thousand, probably under seventy five thousand. Jeez, and um, like, how did you end up in that business? Uh, well, I kind of uh, my my uh, my father had a brokerage. He uh, it was a family brokerage from two was it two thousand. I guess 1998 to 2008, and that was kind of his. That was his thing. That was kind of how I got introduced to the business. He was working with a lot of investors and uh, helping renters actually purchase the homes that they were that they actually were renting um, from their landlords. Wow! Uh, so it was uh, it was an interesting way to get started, and certainly very quickly I learned though that it was not the kind of business that I really wanted to do you know when I, and I say that particularly working with investors and and working with you know just that that real they're just very difficult transactions I realized actually huh. and, and I, you make and you make so little I mean so right. so right. at some point you said to yourself like this is ridiculous right I'm making you know peanuts and I'm working just as hard if not harder than some of these guys in Baltimore City that are selling million dollar condos to Manny Machado and Michael Phelps and whoever else, right? So you're like you're like, this is silly. You know, I'm I'm making three hundred bucks a transaction. There's agents out there that are making thirty grand a transaction. Maybe there's somewhere in between that I can make four or five grand a transaction. So what is that when you decided to join a team? Uh yeah, pretty much. Well uh, actually no I started making that uh, that transition on my own actually for a few years, um, and that's where I started getting into using uh, social media tools. I mean, uh, Facebook came out. I think it was in two thousand two, 
uh, 2001 actually. And, and but for the first six seven years of Facebook, um, it was largely looked at as just a, a kids uh, a playground, um, and it was scoffed at by the business community. I remember my, uh, my my parents back then would tell me like, "What am I spending so much time on Facebook for?" And and uh, it was before. You know, you could even have an account without having a, a .edu at the end of your email, and uh, but I had started to build out a social network on Facebook, um, where I started seeing some some quick returns, where I, I would be posting a congratulations about a closing that had taken place, and and then next thing you know, I, I have a, a friend who I went to elementary school with, hadn't seen in 15 years, message me, hey, congrats with, on the sale. You know, I'm actually looking to make a purchase soon too. Do you think you could help me? And um, started you know, a light bulb started going off when that started when those kinds of things started happening, and I realized that I could be a lot more intentional uh, by using Facebook to to cultivate business. And uh, I know in in 2008 during some of the, the tougher times in real estate, um, it represented. Facebook alone represented 75% of my business. And that was back when advertising, you could not even pay for advertising. So it was really all free. Okay. So let's talk about that. I want to come back to your trajectory, your timeline here. But while we're talking about Facebook, let me just dig into this. So what would you say you do differently? And now over time, there's, I, th I think there's a couple lessons here to be learned. And, and that is number one, that over time with Facebook, you know, it's one of those things you don't want to give up on. Like the more the, someone is used to you over and over again on Facebook, uh, being the real estate agent, talking about real estate, posting things about houses that you're showing, posting things about people that you're, you're working with, they know that you're solid and you're not going away. And so some, some of these people that go on Facebook and then after a year, like, ah, it doesn't really work. I'll just stop posting stuff. I think it's a mistake. It's like farming in a sense. You got to look at it like farming a neighborhood. Uh, you farm Facebook for years and years and years. So tell me a little bit about your farming process on Facebook, what you did, what you currently do, and the business that it brings you. Well, yeah, I, I think, first of all, it starts with the content that you're providing and knowing who your audience is and uh, making sure that you're providing relevant content to your audience, your intended audience. You know, so, you know, I see some people who are, are kind of, they get political on Facebook, they, they can get argumentative on Facebook, and there's, there's no quicker way to lose an audience. Major, uh, ma major rookie mistake there, right? Don't post anything political, religious, anything controversial, you know, major rookie mistake by doing that, right? Yeah, and I see it happen by a lot of non-rookies, a lot of veterans in the business that, that that don't have the, that, that filter. On Even themselves. worse, they should know better, right? You know, there's plenty of other places you can vent where people want to listen to what you have to say, but you're essentially venting to people that don't want to hear your crap, you know? Right, right. You don't win. I mean, you might win some people over, but you certainly will lose just as many. I, um, I would, I, I would disagree. I would say you don't win a single person over. When people get on Facebook and start saying, you know, stuff about Hillary or Trump or one thing, it is, I would like to say, you don't win people over with that. You just well, turn them off. You're probably right. You're probably right. You certainly don't, uh, you certainly alienate a lot of people. And the whole idea here is how do you include more people? How do you build it out? Inclusion and, rather than divisiveness. So how do you do that? Let's talk about that. Uh, well, you know, I, I, first of all, I think it, it starts with kind of being genuine about what your purpose is here in, in, in being in real estate. And if you're, 
if your sole purpose is to make a lot of money, your audience tends to recognize that. If your uh, if your your goal is your your genuine goal is to be able to help people and help as many people as possible and celebrate people's wins rather than your own, I think people can start to, they, they start to appreciate that. You know, and I'll give you a small example, uh, a small a small example of a, a difference in a post. And you know, some you'll see some people who will post a picture of every house that they sell. And it'll be, you know, I just sold this house or, you know, I just listed this house. I focus social media much more on the people. Mm, mm. This, this is a great point. This is a great point. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Okay, so, so, so don't focus on the house. Focus on the people. Because at the end of the day, really, when you're looking at stuff on Facebook, the stuff that you tend to stop on is human related. It's not thing related or, or you know what I mean? Or the front of a house. Okay. And so I, keep going on that. I think too, like, you know, when, when you say, you know, I just sold this house and there's a picture of a house, it's like, uh, in a lot of ways, it's like saying, I just got paid and this is the house that paid me. Right. And or I want your money here, buy this right. thing, you know? Right. And, um, so, you know, I, I, I show pictures of the people. In fact, you know, it's funny at closing when I'm taking a picture of a, of a couple or a person who's just bought a home, you know, every once in a while I'll have a title attorney that's there will say, Hey Mark, you want to get in the picture? I said, no, no, this is not about me today. This is about my clients who just bought a house. It's most, one of the most exciting days of their lives. It's a picture for them to remember. They don't need me stuck in there. It's like uh, it's a it's kind of a cheap shot. Now some some people do include mm. themselves in there, I guess, and, and and I don't mean to take anything away from them there. But to me, actually, when an when a, an attorney says that to me, I think it's a perfect opportunity for me to specifically say, no, 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 this isn't about me. This is about them, and it reinforces the idea that this picture is not about me celebrating a sale or me celebrating my success. It's me celebrating my client's success. So do you post the picture of them on Facebook? Because that's essentially what we're talking about here. What exactly yeah. needs to happen? Yeah, so I post a picture. I say, congratulations to so-and-so. I tag them. You know, congratulations on buying a beautiful home. It was, you know, such a pleasure to work with you. Thank you for the trust that you placed with us. And best of luck in, in the new place. And I tag them. I, I check them into my, my business page. And, uh, and then I, you know, and then you let it go viral. You know, some people, some people's social network will, you know, you'll see, you know, 150, 200 likes on a photo. It, it's great press. Um, it's great. It's great. It ties in a book I'm reading now. Ego is the enemy. And, and essentially by a guy named Ryan holiday. And what he says is, uh, you know, it's not about, you know, taking the selfie of you. It's exactly what you said, taking a selfie of you. Look at me. I'm with them. It's, it's putting putting the good energy, right, and and the humanity onto somebody else, and uh, stepping aside and and being quiet, you know, out out of the spotlight. That's what it's about. And uh, so taking the ego out of it. So I love that. Okay. So what else do you do with social media? Well, so what we do, we actually. Uh, for our listings, we'll actually spend money sponsoring, you know, sponsored ads and things of that nature for our listings. And that's where we're not, again, we're not promoting ourselves. I think that's kind of a, a secondary effect 
of it because people start seeing it over and over again. But with Facebook, I, I, I do tend to really keep it simple. You know, I, like when I, you know, the pictures of, you know, in my own demographics of people, we're all, you know, everybody's having babies. So there's lots of baby photos. Five years ago, that wasn't the case. But the, the, the you know, when people are, are commenting or, or, or sharing their own children's photos or whatever that the, whatever they're sharing to engage with those posts as well. I think it's, it's so it's a two way street. So it's not just about posting, right? Absolutely. Not. It's no, about yeah. engaging. So how, what percentage of it would you say is posting and what percentage of it is, is engaging, liking, commenting, I would say emojis, more, <laughs> more commenting, certainly more commenting than posting. So probably 90, 10. Yeah. Or 80, 20, somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we, when I'm posting, it's, it's when I'm intentionally posting for, uh, my audience for, for business, it's, it's pretty much strictly the closings. You know, if there's funny things that I see when I'm out showing houses, uh, or, or just, yeah, I mean, funny things that, that are out, you know, you see something really odd in the house, I'll take a picture and crack a joke and say, Hey, like, Hey, what do you guys think of this? Or, you know, and, and you'll see people just pile on people love to comment on stuff like that. Um, you know, I'll never forget. We had a, a toilet seat that had, it was a clear toilet seat with dollar bills, uh, embedded inside the toilet seat all the way around. So that was their, there was their money seat, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Stuff like yeah, that. So, <laughs> you know, you, you really have me thinking now because, uh, you know, I realized just now standing here that when people like my stuff or comment on my stuff, I, I, I tend to grow an affinity. Like I can think of people right now, if I close my eyes and think of people that have, that, that I'm friends with on Facebook that I probably haven't seen in 20 years. And the ones that I've grown fond of certainly are the ones that seem to be paying attention to me. So if you reverse that thinking and said, rather than the one that wants to be interesting, I want to be the one that's interested. Mm -hmm. The people that you're interested in will have an affinity to you and be fond of you like I am of these people. Am I making any sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, you know, I think it goes much further than just liking something, you know, because it's so easy today to just like everything, but to actually leave a comment, you know, in, in, that engages that person who posted something, you know, whether it's congrats on whatever milestone they're posting about or, you know, complaining about the traffic, just, you know, oh, I hear you, you know, something that is in agreement with whatever they're trying to get out that again, doesn't alienate a whole lot of other people. Yeah, absolutely. You can almost add that to your goal. I know like, like some, everybody, every agent should have goals. Some are, I want to hand out 10 business cards a day. I want to call 20 past clients a day. Certainly what you could add to your list is I want to make comments and tag 20 people on Facebook a day in a, in a positive manner, like in a complimentary way, like, Oh, you're, you're funny. Or, you know, I love your zest for life or, you know, beautiful family or whatever and tag them uh, 20 times a day guaranteed. You're going to get business from that guaranteed. How could you not? It's a snowball effect too though. So it's like, you know, some people will do that for a week or two or a month and they don't see a sale from it. So they stop. And the thing about the, my use on social media, at least, is that it has been a, a complete snowball effect, and it it takes consistency over a long period of time. And 
I don't mean 14 years, but it, it, consistency over a long period of time. If you give up after uh, a short while before it even becomes a true habit, you can't expect it to, uh, to get many results. That's great. I love it. And, and I, you know, like I said before, it's analogy of farming. You can't just send postcards to a neighborhood for six months and expect to get, you know, expect to own the neighborhood. It's the agents that have been sending them there for 12 years that have a grip on that thing. And the same thing is going to be for your friends. It's the agents that have been on Facebook talking to them for, for seven years are they, they're, they're going to use Right. I don't know why I hadn't thought about it like that before, but I'm glad that you you made that happen. That's uh, that's a great thing. OK, so let's uh, you know, obviously, um, that's a great lesson there. I appreciate you sharing with us. People were used to give you crap about, you know, playing on the job and dicking around on social media when actually it has now blown up and created a, a huge amount of business for you. You decide to go work for a team. You were the top producer on this team. Now, how much business does this team do that you, you know, got on? You know, I, I really should know that number better, but uh, I know that they were last year. It sold uh, close to 400 homes, uh, maybe a little over 400 homes, and uh, I know it was over 120 million. In sales. Okay. Oh, there you go. You know it. So, so let's say four hundred. Um, that would make sense because that'd be three hundred thousand average sale price. So, okay. So this team is rocking. You're the top producer, right? You're you're killing it. You're on top of the world. You know your average sale price obviously has increased. Commissions increased. What? Why would you leave? Right? Yeah. I mean, it was a. It was something that I asked myself for. You know, a, a couple years. I mean, in, in fact. When I even joined the team, I had considered starting my own at that point in time, and uh, instead I had decided, and I was very vocal about it, that instead of starting my own team, I would join a top producing team, and I would learn from them. And but it was always my goal to start my own team, and and I know that that was that was known to pretty much everyone there. And, and then once I got there and built myself uh, up from kind of the the low man on the totem pole to the higher person, the highest person in the totem pole. I finally made that decision to, after three years, so it wasn't a quick decision. I was, I had said to myself many times, yeah. you know, great, I'm doing well, I'm happy, you know, why rock the boat? Right. Um, and, you know, it ultimately came down to, uh, for the first time really in my career, I felt like in that outfit, I didn't see a clear path to have real growth the way I wanted to to have growth without starting my own team. Yeah. Um, well, it's hard to grow so, always as a top producer. I've been there myself many times, you know, and and at sometimes the 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 person running the team. And this is a great lesson also for people listening that are running teams. When you have a top producer and they're pushing you, you can feel them pushing out like they they may they could go on their own. You have to find opportunity for them whether it's outside of the team or within the team meaning you have to either you know make them in charge of all the other agents and give them you know uh, royalties on every sale or make them uh, have them start an expansion team in another city and get a percentage cut of that you have to find many opportunities or significant opportunities for income and growth outside of the team or it's only natural. It's only the American way. It's how, how every small business has started is a someone working at a big business and moving on to their own business. So it's only natural that, that 
that this would happen. So Mark, so you pushed out, you started fresh just recently this year, 2016 yes. in August. What was it like? Like, take me back to that first day. Were you petrified? Um, you know what, by the time I, you know, it took me three years and there was three years of being petrified. By the time I actually did it, I was so confident that it was the right move that no, there, I was not petrified anymore, which is part of how I knew it was the right time. You know, there was for, for too long. I was, I was scared about it. I, I had looked for ways to, you know, could we do an expansion team? I looked for ways to stay with the team with it. So I didn't have to like pull away and be on my own. But once I finally made that decision and, and I, I found the people, the right kind of people to be around to help foster the, the growth. And, you know, so I don't, fall on my face. Uh, I, I made that move with a tremendous amount of confidence. And I think having that confidence when you're making a move like that is is incredibly important. That's interesting. I can remember going from Long and Foster to Remax at one point in my career and being like the top agent in my office at Long and Foster. In the day that I hit, well, not the day, but the first six months over at my new Remax office, I was in an absolute slump. And I write about this in my book because I learned like how to get out of a slump because it happened two or three more times in my career. But I went into this massive slump. It was like so embarrassing. It was like, you know, they put like a article in the paper and all this stuff, you know, Pat Hyben joins and da 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 da. And, <laughs> and I just fell flat on my face, didn't put anything up on the board. So how did you make sure that didn't happen to you? How'd you hit the ground oh. running? Well, I, I first of all, I was prepared for a, a, a thirty day, or really, I was prepared for a ninety day uh, slowdown a little bit because of the different activities that I needed to implement in the business. Uh, luckily, I, I, I'd say that 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 slowdown was limited to probably about forty five days, maybe sixty. Um, but uh, you know, it was about getting very focused on the kinds of activities that I'm gonna that that are important and doing away with the sideshow, um, the things that can get me distracted and time blocking became much, much more important. Okay. So, so, so let's slow down. So what would you give me an example of a sideshow? Well, allowing, uh, an incoming phone call, uh, about maybe a pen, a, a pending transaction, a co-op agents calling me to discuss a, a repair addendum or a, a client is calling me to, to, you know, talk about the showings from last night or, or, you know, just the, all the, the, the distracting phone calls that can. Yeah. But that, and the, I mean, you're, you're now a solo agent that, I mean, that, that's something you got to deal with, right? Well, no, I mean, I, cause I'm not, I, so when I came over here, I came over with my assistant that I had hired and I, I, I had three years now working with that assistant. So, you know, I gave him that responsibility of taking those calls, but, and, and I have, before this move anyway, but, but really st sticking to a certain timeframes of where I'm going to be making the incoming or the outgoing phone calls rather. I'll be making outgoing phone calls during these time periods. And these are the people who I'm going to be calling. And there's really nothing that's going to stop me or distract me from focusing on that task at hand. Just that shift in, in holding myself accountable to that really helped force to make sure that that slowdown wasn't for 30 to 60 days or, or wasn't beyond 30 to 60 days that it was just within that time period. It was critical. And what's that schedule look like now? Well, it, so it first started out to be just two hours, nine o'clock to 11 o'clock where I'd be focusing on, on my outgoing phone calls. 
But what I realized is that I was having so much success at it that um, I, I grew it out to 12 o'clock and, and, and now two days a week I'm doing it until one o'clock. So and you were just calling everybody. Yeah, I'm calling the people in my database, calling, you know, some of them are, are sphere in my sphere and some people are, you know, past prospects. Some of them are uh, our clients. I don't like to call them past clients because they're still current clients. Um, but mm. yeah, just, just staying in touch with wow. people and, and uh, making sure that I was intentionally continuing that relationship. You know, I, I, I loved the relationship that I was having with people while I was working with them. The sad part, and, and it was at no fault but my own, that after the sale, I would be focused on a new set of people. And so I'd have this intimate relationship with people, and then three years would go by without a phone call. Yeah. Uh, and so to, you know, to really be purposeful about making sure we're reengaging our clients and, and making sure that they know that, that we care. It's not about the transaction. Um, yeah. And it truly never was. It was just that we were so busy. You know, this year I'll close. Uh, I will close at right right now. We have we've just put one deal number one hundred for the year on the board to close. You know, so it, when you're doing that kind of volume, it's very easy to just get lost in the current shuffle of people. Um, wow, that's great. So you're going to have a hundred sales this year or more, right? No, probably a hundred, right? Settled. Yeah, I think the next ones will go for seventeen. Okay. How many did you do your last year on the team? I did 85 last year. Uh, I did 83 the year before that. Okay. So you really didn't miss a beat, right? And you're doing all this with one assistant? Yeah. Well, we just, it, it was with just one assistant. We just hired uh, two weeks ago a second assistant. Okay. So that doesn't count, but, but so what, what's your, like, so what was your, uh, as I say on the show, ECI, what was your GCI? What is it going to be now that you're on your own or the last 12 months, let's say? Well, the GCI, like what I, the, the gross commission or what I actually walked with. Yeah, both. But uh, for first, no. what's the GCI? Yeah. So the GCI is uh, eight, about 850,000 and my, my split of that between the different brokerages and every everyone that was involved earlier in the year uh, is just over seven fifty. Okay, that's awesome. By the way, congratulations. That's I mean that's phenomenal that you could do that. Clearly, that profit margin of like your expenses are basically like twenty percent, right? Well, that's I'm sorry when my ta- when I say my take home, that's after my splits and so oh the book, okay then but not after, after you pay your assistant and everything. Yeah, so, left. so my 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 actual my net profit is a is about five hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so still you're you know you're you're making sixty um, roughly, which is phenomenal, and obviously it's because you do it all yourself, right? You have one assistant that's salaried. I mean, it's just an incredible. A way to do that. Now, one of the things that you're famous for a little bit is your is not only your tenacity to be able to follow up, but the systems that you use when you follow up. Can you talk a little bit about your CRM and uh, the notes you put in them and things like that, so we can learn from it? Yeah. So I, you know, I've everyone uses a different database. I just happen to be using Top Producer. I've been using Top Producer for uh, for about twelve years now, and um, the having good notes for each of these contacts is is so important. So when I'm calling someone who may have been a, a lead who came in a year ago, we had one phone conversation, 
to be able to take some notes of that conversation and, and have it saved for that contact. So when I have my reminder to call them in eight months, they don't remember me. And I know they don't remember me, but they never tell me they don't remember me because when I call them up and I remind them of our conversation and I remind them of something that they said, they just go with it. And it's, uh, so you'll, you know, you'll, you'll type notes. Like he talked about, like, give me an example of what someone like might I, I had talk a guy about. who was, uh, you know, he was on his way to Dulles, Dulles airport. <laughs> so, uh, he couldn't really talk right then, but he's like, look, I'm not really looking to buy in the next six months, probably thinking about this time next year. So in eight months from now, I called him and, uh, you know, he, he, he happened to answer the phone and tell me again that he was on his way to Dulles. So I saved that in the notes. He couldn't talk. I called him a month later. I was like, listen, man, I, I've called you two times now. Each time you're on the way to Dulles. Please tell me on the third time I did, you're not on your way to Dulles. And he started laughing. He's like, you know, it, it, he, he doesn't remember that. Yeah. You know, he, he, but it, it, it's, uh, you know. No, it's and automatically e- he thinks this dude, Mark, is, is, is like an idiot savant, right? He has this memory <laughs> that like, how does he remember this stuff, you know? So right. you just type in everything you can in top producer in detailed notes on every person and then you just you know use those to your advantage right if you have notes in there why not use them why not i mean yeah people might think it's weird but i think they're going to think more that you have a great memory and that and that you're organized more than anything they're going to be like wow he remembered you know you know this or how did he remember that wow you know what i mean it's going to impress them more than anything Right. And it's usually not even something they talk about. It's just something that like it, we just keep the conversation going and and there's like instant rapport where there wasn't be previous. Wow. Yeah. It's not like, so what have you been up to? And you don't even haven't never met the person. You could be like, how was your trip to Atlanta? Or, you know, right. how was your vacation to Martha's Vineyard? Right. You know, how was it volunteering on that field trip? You know, whatever, you know. Wow, gosh, even, you know, people I know didn't ask me about that, you know? Right, right. Yeah, so I, I, I and I'm relentless about it. You know, if I, if I leave a message, I'll follow it up with a text message, and I'll notate that I left a message, I sent a text message. If I don't hear anything back, I, you know, well, first of all, before I close that contact out, the one thing I always make sure I do is I schedule the next follow-up. So that way, if I don't hear back from that person after a week, it's not just a dead lead. You know, it's, there's another follow-up and, you know, until I get to a point with a lead where I think that that leads just definitely not going to buy with us or sell with us, do I, you know, do I put them off to the side? And, and that's how we've get, we get so many sales and we we just, we have a sale right now that's under contract. It's not a a huge one, probably two fifty three hundred $300,000. That was a a lead from 2012. That was absolutely 100% a result of using the database. And it's not like I called them every week or every month for four years. It was probably one phone call a year. I mean, we could do a lot better, quite honestly. And this is what I look at from uh, growing the team standpoint is what can we do better to engage? So it's not just like one phone call a year that requires my presence, my touch on everything. Like how can we scale it to, to, to optimize things in a, in a more efficient manner? It's great. I love what you're saying because I really think that that's a, a huge thing with real estate and I'm, I'm going to generalize, but this is my opinion. Real estate agents now, 
it is, God forbid they follow up with someone after a 90-day period, maybe 60-day period, maybe 30-day period. Like, like I can remember back in the day, you know, I was like you, and I would, I mean, I would follow people for years, and I wouldn't think anything of it, you know? And to find agents now that follow up for years of someone that says, I'm going to buy next year, like the house you just sold, no way. You know, they, you know, it's, it's harder and harder. And, and so I commend you for this incredible ability to follow up long term. It's, 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 I'll tell you, I'll add one other thing to it. That's a lot of fun too. When I find out that a, a lead actually bought a house without me, you know, some people get real discouraged and they'll throw the lead away, but I'll find out when they bought, where they bought and make it a point to call them in year two, in year three, in year four wish them a happy home anniversary and offer them a market analysis. And it's something that I guarantee you <laughs> realtors who actually sold them the house aren't even doing. Hell no. So that, that, that's brilliant. So, so you're like, you're, you're turning lemons into lemonade, right? So, oh, rats, you know, you bought a house. What, when do you settle? June 15th. Okay, great. And of course you don't even need the address, right? You just, you know, no, I actually will make a note in six months, check to see on the tax records where they bought and then plug it in. <laughs> Plug it in, and then you call them and say, hey, happy anniversary. And, and after a while, they're going to be like, was Mark the one that sold me that house? Right, he must right. have been. You know what I mean? Like, They're going to play it off like, well, maybe he you know, was. I don't know. Maybe, you know, <laughs> you know maybe he took over the business for the lady that did, you know? Right. Well, one of the things that, that continues to drive me in this business is is not the the eighty sales, eighty five sales I had last year, or the hundred that I had this year. It's it's really at the end of the year I can always look at like fifteen or twenty that I should have had, and I didn't. And uh, you know, I, I I always say like, all right, well, I didn't get them this time, but you know, they bought something, so they got to sell it at some point. And you know, I lost them once. I'm not going to lose them again. <laughs> I'm going to get them back. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You know, and if you think about it as a long term thing, you know, like I, you're not going anywhere, right? Right. right yeah. You know, you're and gonna I be here. My clients too, so they never feel like it's a sale. Like, you know, it, people are so used to salesmen just trying to sell them something now, and you know, I, I I'm very clear and transparent with people like look if now's not the right time if you're looking to buy in six months or a year or two years whatever it is it's fine I'm 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 33 years old. I'm going to be in this business for a long time uh, and I'll be here when you're ready and, and, and take that approach. Wow. Well, listen, Mark, this has been great, man. You've, uh, you've uh, inspired a lot. I'm sure I'm going to put all of Mark's information on hybendigital.com backslash Mark Simone. It's S I M O N E. That's hybendigital.com backslash Mark Simone. If you have any referrals, to the Baltimore, Maryland area, you know the guy. Listen, Mark, thanks for taking time out of your busy day. I really appreciate it. And uh, next time I'm in the city, we'll uh, get together and break some bread. Love that. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.